Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. Now let's get on to the basketball boys. And I know that our NBL listeners will probably be, well, they'll, they'll be keen to hear him talk about lots of things. They may be most keen to hear him talk about something. But first, we've got to talk about the NCAA final. Now it was held today, so unfortunately I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I watched about the last 10 minutes. I think maybe we'll, and this is the blokes, of course, unfortunately I haven't seen much of the women's, but maybe we'll rewind back to the final four. I don't know if you lads got to see much of the final four. Duke in a very tough loss to Carolina on one end and then Kansas having a much easier run against Villanova on the other. It's sad to see Coach K go out, but he made a final four for the final time and that's, it is what it is. Duke had an impressive tournament and it just fell short to a very solid North Carolina team. And I may be wrong in saying this, but I think it was the first time in March Madness history that Duke actually played North Carolina, considering that they're so massive rivals. And it was a big thing that Duke lost in the regular season to um, North Carolina, and then they lost again. And it's a bit shocking, and it's a bit sad to see Coach K go out like this, but you know, he, he's had a very, very successful career, not just with Duke, but with Team USA as well. And yeah, it's just shocking to see him go out like that. You're absolutely right. So North Carolina did spoil his farewell at Cameron Indoor for his last home game ever. And then I'll be honest, it was a bit of a surprise. I was expecting a Duke-Kansas final. There were eight lead changes and 12 ties. It was a fantastic game from start to finish. Caleb Love scored the Tar Heels' last eight points in just under 25 seconds. A couple of, I guess, controversies. First of all, for me, I thought the game was... I don't know if you got to see the whole thing, Jackson, but I actually thought the game was ruined a little bit. And I think a big reason why Duke lost is because there are a couple of really dodgy fouls on Mark Williams. And he basically barely played at all. And this is a guy that has been playing spectacularly well in the tournament, was averaging four blocks a game, defending the paint. It was a massive uphill battle the minute they couldn't play him extended minutes. Yeah, and wasn't there like a very dodgy no-call that was overturned for Roman and one in the final minute or so? Yeah. Maybe wrong. Yes, that's that, right, actually. Yeah, that was yeah. that was one of the Duke guys. Uh, that, to me, was a clear continuation. I'm not sure how that doesn't be allowed to be an M1. It just looked like a textbook continuation from what we're used to, having watched a lot of NBL and a lot of NBA over the years. That was a head-scratcher, absolutely. And obviously, you would expect the last game at Duke for a couple of guys, Paolo Banquero and also uh, AJ Griffin, will, will likely be drafted as lottery picks, so... A very, very big turnover at Duke coming up. And, and Well, there's a tip that four of their starting five will be in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, very good team. Quite a surprise. What do you make of Bancaro, Jackson? I, I think he's going to be a very, very solid player wherever he goes. Like, lottery hasn't happened yet, and he's going to be a very solid power forward for the next 10 years in the league. I don't see him being a um, an MVP, but I don't watch a whole lot of college basketball so it's tough to translate from the college game to the NBA level like we've seen guys like dominate like Greg Oden just go out and not perform to the same level Anthony Bennett is a different situation but um <laughs> yeah yeah, there's been a yeah. Few of them. it'll be very interesting to see how he goes like I'm more confident in guys like um Besson in the NBL like I think he'll be a very solid role player wherever he goes because he's playing at a professional level at a very high professional level against men and um, college basketball is just a different beast so we'll see we'll have to see how he goes 
Yeah, Dieng has just exploded this last probably oh my gosh. four to six weeks. I remember halfway through the season having chats with a number of people about like, this guy's a bust. He's, he does nothing. He shot selection's terrible. He can't shoot. And all of a sudden, he yeah, he's playing at almost an all-NBL sort of first or second team level. The same as someone like a Keanu Pinder. These, these sorts of guys have just, yeah, exploded in the last few weeks. I think people forget how young these guys are. I mean, they, they take time to develop. They're playing against men. I'm not surprised at all, to be honest, about Dieng. I, I still think he's a bit timid, but we'll get to the NBL. Yes. We will get there. <laughs> I, I'm 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 a bit iffy about Bankero. I think he'll be very good. He's got that Ben Simmons frame and he's got that handle that Ben Simmons has. Obviously, he's a much better shooter than Ben. He's a much more he, he looks for his shot a lot more. He's much more of a scorer than Ben. He's not quite the defender Ben is, but they have a very similar body. But I think he'll play that kind of point power forward kind of role. I, I do expect that in the pros, but I agree with you, Jackson. I'm not convinced that he's kind of a transcendent, like MVP candidate kind of guy. I think whoever gets him will be pretty happy, but, but I have a feeling. projected to Detroit at two at this stage. Well, that's right. And he that's, was projected at one. So something's happened along yeah, the line. a good fit for him. Yeah. So, so it will be interesting to see, because I was going to say that at, at last I, I saw he was projected at one only a couple of days ago. And I was going to say that I'm not convinced he'll end up being the best player in the draft. He might be selected first, but I'm not convinced that he'll he'll end up being the best player in the in the entire class. Time will tell on that one. We'll go ahead to the final now because well, I don't know if you saw any of the Villanova and Kansas game, Jackson. I I had hoped to get to it, but I prioritized the Duke UNC game because I knew it would be closer, and it was. Uh no, I didn't actually get to watch it, but um, uh, I think it was a blowout. No, it was pretty yeah. comfortable. Yeah, and Villanova yeah. had one of their main players missing with injury, so it was always going to be a, a a really tough tough. Eighty one sixty five. Yeah, one. yeah. So we'll move to the final again. I haven't seen all of it because it was today. I don't know how much you saw, Stewie. Most of the second half. Yeah, okay. While I was quote working. Yes. <laughs> and you managed to see bits and pieces as well. Um, yeah, my understanding, I was. Jackson. I was stuck in a making media class at uni, but um, I watched. I watched highlights of it. I watched the last ten or so minutes of the game. So it was the biggest comeback in NCAA final history. Kansas actually trailed forty to twenty five at halftime and ended up winning seventy two to sixty nine. Well, actually, it was a tie for the biggest halftime comeback. Oh, okay. Yes, with Loyola Chicago over Cincinnati in 1963. Well, there you go. Okay. Wow. It's the benefits of watching the game, mate. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I actually work when I'm working, Stu. Um, <laughs> I don't work when I'm not watching. Oh, um, but the bit of controversy in this one too. So Armando Baycott actually re-injured his ankle. And I didn't pick it up at the time, but it was actually on unstable floorboards. I don't know if you blokes saw this, but his foot buckled because the floorboard sunk a little bit. So that's going to be big news and, and a lot of discussion about that because the game was still in the balance at that stage. And it was one, another one of those NCAA courts where the bench is below court level, which I just, I hate, I hate those. Like, yeah. I think Vanderbilt, it's- for example, is one that comes to mind where AJ Ogilvy played, of course. It's a really interesting finish. UNC did not, finish well did they no. they went for a threes no. when they could have had a quick two as jay billis banged on about a yeah. fair bit oh, 22, they could have kept it alive 23 24 seconds left when they got the ball back down three yeah and yeah they're straight away looking for the the three but unc is guarding the three-point line you can get an easy drive to the layup there's no rim protection in there 
get your get your deuce and and try and play the foul game. Yeah, and Puffy Johnson, great name. Oh, Puff was great. That second <laughs> oh, half. Yeah, but that three took at the it end. Was ter- yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he yeah. had much of a choice though. That was the problem. The brother of Cam Johnson, of course, and and they were bailed out as well when one of the Kansas players, I can't remember who it was, stepped on the sideline. So they did actually get that shot at the end. Had he not done that, they they wouldn't have even got that that chance at the end. I think the Tar Heels would be pretty disappointed that that they didn't really play spectacularly well down the stretch there. But hats off to Kansas for a very impressive win. Bill Self's second. And yeah, their last championship was bloody entertaining too. Very impressive. Great to see some faces in the crowd. Paul Pierce, Danny Manning, Mario Chalmers. The Morris brothers. That, that, honestly, <laughs> that, that is the reason above all others that I'm disappointed Kansas won. Can't stand them. Yeah. Well, they... But you of all people should be hating on them. Because... Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What Marcus did to you guys. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there was, but there was also a few North Carolina guys. I know I definitely saw Rick Fox was was in the crowd uh, next to Dean Smith. Roy Williams was there as well, of course. Anton Jameson was yes, there as yeah, well. with a beard. Mm. Yeah, you had to kind of go. Oh yeah, he looks is... like Tim Hardaway Jr. He does. He really does <laughs> because beard. of the beard. Yeah. 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 Oh dear. One little random thing as well that I did notice while they were panning across the crowd, I saw a guy holding up an A4 sized cardboard bit of paper effectively that just said sign (laughs) that's all it said just wrote sign on it that was it fantastic yeah so we'll move on to the nbl now and look there's only one place we can start now some of our listeners are maybe not quite the hardcore nbl fans that that some others might be obviously you've already talked about this on nbl news the the great work you do on that podcast jackson but i think we'll probably have to set the scene a little bit for our listeners just in case they're unaware of what happened so if I'm not mistaken, it was after the Tasmanian game. Now we have some yeah. news today on John Brown the third. Definitely isn't going to happen. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but it's kind of the catalyst for all this. Perth, and I happened to be at the game, Perth lost by two to Tasmania in a really hard fought contest after obviously that lengthy period on the road. Costco Mo came into the press conference pretty frosty from the outset. As you identified on the NBL News podcast, Jackson, he wasn't wearing the normal Wildcat shirt. So he, he clearly was not in maybe the best frame of mind. A number of questions were asked about the game. And then you yourself asked a question completely validly about the the fact that the Wildcats still hadn't signed John Brown the third and and was that a distraction? If I'm not mistaken, that was kind of the way you framed yeah, it. Yeah, that was that was the question. Did you anticipate that reaction? Had you seen him lose his call like that before? No. So I've been in multiple press conferences after Perth losses like there's a game against Adelaide a couple of weeks back in which they lost I think it was their first road game um, yes, of the season yep. and um, he, he was nothing like that like yes they lost but it wasn't anything like that reaction but um, I thought at the time I asked a valid question and I'm pretty sure I, I did and what, what that showed was clearly something was wrong at Perth like and now we know why, like FIBA didn't give them clearance until legitimately today, like to this morning, they finally released him. And um, I just, so day before there was a press conference and it took reporters seven, eight minutes to stop asking about Brown. Yeah, so, I actually, I actually watched yeah. that today. And, and that was kind of my next question, I guess, is, is do you think you kind of copped the brunt of it after a hard loss, but also the previous day's presser where they basically asked the same bloody question so many different times. And your question was different in the sense that it was after a loss. And so you were asking yeah. how much of this was a distraction. So your question was completely valid. 
I actually tried to find the presser again today just to kind of refresh my memory and, and work out what he said, because I'll be honest, I've swung back and forth a few times here. The first time when I read the quotes, I thought, oh, gee, that's rough. And then I watched it and I thought, oh, okay, it doesn't sound as bad as it reads on paper. But on reflection, watching it again and, and a, a few days later, and unfortunately I didn't get to again today because the Wildcats conveniently edited out that bit of, of the press conference. So they kept the press conference, but they edited out that last question. He told me to learn about the game of basketball. And I think that was the um, main one. But he swore that, as well, which is could be seen as an act of, of aggression. Swearing at someone is a bit different to... Yeah, I, I think I can understand his point of view. They're definitely frustrated. He's not the GM, but I definitely think you asked the right question. You did the right thing as a journalist. The question had to be asked, and and really, he lowered his colours. I don't think there's any other well, description. I think mm. certainly, you know, one of the experiences I had with him on Twitter and a little bit of back and forward, I think when he gets challenged by people, he likes to play the superiority card. Like, I know more about the analytics of the game than you do, so therefore... Well, he is a coach. Yeah, but, he sat on the Boston yeah. Celtics bench. Yeah, but a lot of the times the numbers don't really yeah, tell okay. the full story. But um, but no, I, I think I think definitely right here. I mean, I think the fact that I, I guess maybe some of the frustration probably came from a lack of action from the club and the fact that they waited far too long to try and make a move to get someone in. And look, it could be that Brown didn't, I guess, become quote unquote available until that time. And yeah, I think we all kind of thought that Frazier probably should have gone after about four or five weeks. But, yeah, well, that's yeah. right. I mean, it's yeah. on the club for taking too long, isn't it? And maybe some of that frustration is actually probably more so aimed at the club because, yeah, it's a distraction because we allowed it to be as a club. So it's come down today that the NBL has officially disallowed the Perth Wildcats to sign in because that minimum of seven games had passed. I'll be honest, I think that's the right call. I think the, the rest of the country already hates the Wildcats and Wildcats fans. Why give them another reason? So, And I think they could have acted on Fraser a lot earlier. So you make your bed, you sleep in it. The thing with Morrison that is different and this, reg, this new regime at the Wildcats that is different to when Gleason was there is that Gleason's role has been split up into like five different people, right? So you've got Morrison, who's the coach. You've got Danny Mills, who's the GM of basketball or whoever that is. And then you've got new ownership. You've got a bunch of other people that were doing what basically Gleason was doing, but Gleason was doing a whole lot more. And what it's come down to is if that was Gleason in that press conference, he would know what's going on. But did Morrison really know what, what was going on in that situation? Was he briefed about it? Was he told what was actually happening with with FIBA and his Russian club. And that was a bit disappointing. I think this whole, like, and I'm not afraid to say this, I'm a Perth fan, but like when I do media stuff, I'm completely neutral. And I think the big difference between Morrison and Gleason is that Gleason had, like, he he did everything and Bendak gave him, like, everything and he was hands-on on completely everything, whether it be recruiting, whether it be coaching, whether it be marketing or whatever and Morrison he's just kind of in his little bubble and and I'll say this I fear the Perth Wildcats are becoming like the Sydney Kings and they're the the NBL NBA team and that's just not what Perth are I mean they're still out of Bend uh, still out of State Basketball Center and it, it is a bit of an ugly situation because they're now three losses in a row at home and yeah that's just yes, my thought get to that it. in a moment the other really interesting thing Jackson and I understand that 
it's pretty rare. <laughs> and again, I know you've talked about this before, but for the purposes of our listeners who maybe haven't heard you talk about this before, at the next presser, you were all told that there were certain topics that were off limits. Was oh that gobsmacking? Yeah. yeah, so I've asked multiple people about that and they've said that that is the first time that that's happened to them because I, you know, I'm still very, very new to this stuff, right? So they said that's the first time that's happened to me in my insert how many year career. And um, yeah, I just think that that was fascinating because they told us right from the beginning and I quote, Danny Mills has released a, a statement about John Brown. You are not allowed to ask about John Brown and the situation with the imports. And so this is after Perth got smacked by 30 points against Sydney. And I wasn't going to ask a question anyway. I was just there to watch it. And it was just really fascinating what happened. And yeah, it, it was just very confusing at the same time. But Coscomo obviously would have known about the Wildcats history, about how successful they've been, particularly in the last decade, when he took the role with the team. But do you think he actually underestimated the massive expectations in this city and how under the microscope the Perth Wildcats really are here? I I don't think he's underestimated the club's history. I think he's underestimated potentially the following that Perth has. And um, and I'll bring up this quote. He said, you know, all you Twitter fingers or Twitter heads or whatever, learn about the game of basketball, blah, blah, blah. And um, thing is, that's all Perth fans. They were saying Frazier's not the right fit. Why do we sign this shooting guard when we need a power forward center? And I just don't think he accepts the fan base as a whole yet, like Gleason did, like Gleason understood that. And before him, Rob Beveridge understood that. And, and I'll say this, I think this may be, it's verge on not making finals at this point because Tassie and Southeast Melbourne can easily catch Perth. And I'm thinking this has um, 2009 Connor Henry vibes a bit, like just because of their positioning, like it's right on, like I know it was a six team finals. I think it was back then. It's just very shaky at the moment. And Perth could have had Scott Roth. Perth could have had Adam Ford, but Gleason didn't leave at that time and he and he was committed and then he then he got a call from Toronto and they could have had Matt Nielsen but there was rumors about him going to Sydney and whatever so they stayed away from that and um yeah it's just Morrison's a great hire but Gleason was just so defensive and rebounding orientated offense came like fifth right and he had that system in that flex offense system in place for so many years and everybody knew their role and people coming into the system accepted their role and they came in and they shone because of it. Like you look at Kev White at um grand final last year, guy was averaging 15, 16 points and he's never done that throughout his career. He played 15, 16 minutes this season. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's half of that's due to family stuff and floods and whatever. And, and I'm happy that he's back, but um. I think Joseph's core NBL Pocket Pod said it best on Twitter. Like, you know, the role players of this team are not, they're not being seen in the same light as they want, as they was under Gleason. It's just give the ball to Bryce or Vic and get out of the way these days. You know, run a pick and roll with Hodgie or Juke or whatever. But I'm sorry, yeah. Vic, Vic Law is grabbing rebounds, but he is not a power he forward. Is. Like, yeah, he, he's he not. can't defend guys like Jarrell Martin. We saw in last night's game against Melbourne, he struggled with some of the bigs when he had to defend them. The Wildcats yeah. are missing a big-bodied power forward. Yeah, a Nick Kay, a John Mooney, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't even have to a be Matthew that Knight. 
Yeah, yeah, Matty Knight, that would be great. A lot of guys. We've we've been very blessed, obviously, and, and we and we. <laughs> no one's shitting tears no, for the no while. One, no one's shitting tears. No, no, it's, uh, no. It, it's it's a very interesting point you make about I guess the the parallels between the Connor Henry thing and also I, I guess the Wildcats and Sydney potentially becoming that yeah that NBA NBL crossover and it is as per fans it is scary. Well, and NBA tactics don't necessarily work in this league, do no, they? So no, they don't. They don't work in FIBA basketball. I mean, you look at Team USA and they and they only won a gold medal in the Olympics this year because of the talent that they have rather than the actual system that they run because first game against France, they got annihilated in the final quarter. And I remember saying to people before the game, France are going to win, France is going to win, France is going to win. And nobody believed me. And then the game happened and France just killed him in the final quarter. And they just don't have a sort of system in place. And, you know, American teams coming into FIBA basketball and it just doesn't work out. So obviously Melbourne came into town, as you said, Jackson, the third straight loss at home here for the Wildcats. The first time that's happened since 1999. I mean, to put that in perspective, Ricky Grace was still knocking about. That would have been Jackson, James Jackson Harvey. wasn't even born then. Yeah, well, I wasn't born. <laughs> <laughs> Probably uh, James Harvey and Paul Rogers were kind of the cornerstones of that team a little bit. And obviously the Wildcats won the next season. But should should Perth be worried? Tasmania's doing bloody good and, and they're nipping at the heels. I mean, Perth's run home is here and there. Their final two games are against Illawarra and South East Melbourne, and they're going to be really tough with the way that, I mean, South East Melbourne should come out like a house on fire and try and make finals, and Illawarra are just rolling at the moment. I mean, Perth have New Zealand next, and New Zealand are either really good or really terrible. They, they shouldn't be worried. Like that, so, don't they? Yeah, they shouldn't be worried, but there's something... Like my head says they will be fine, but like my heart says something is wrong. And, and I'll be honest, when Corey yeah. in the in the commentary said Perth have got this, I felt that way too. It felt like one of those yeah. games where Bryce would take over and just when everyone panicked, to be like that New Zealand game a couple of weeks ago, people were beginning to panic a little bit and, and he really took, well, both him and Law took over, didn't they? But no, not to be. And look, Melbourne are a bloody good side, defending champions, of course. Bet, better squad than last season, you could even potentially argue. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I think the Tassie thing... And looking at Tassie's run as well, I mean, they've got Cairns, they've got New Zealand, they've got Southeast Melbourne. And that, like that Southeast Melbourne Tassie game oh, huge. is oh, yeah, yeah. one of the biggest games of the season. And look, Tassie and Melbourne as well. Melbourne may potentially not have anything to play for, depending on how the next couple of rounds go. So there's there's certainly a lot of stuff going in favour of the Jack Jumpers catching Perth. I mean, as you say, the, the, the games that Perth have got left to play, there are some scary ones in there. And, and yeah, as you say, look, Illawarra, I think, are probably, well, I mean, them and Sydney are the, the form sides right now. So it really comes down to these next three games for Perth. New Zealand, Adelaide, and Cairns at home. Oh, huge. Must win. You have to win all three yeah, of those. Definitely. That, that's, they're just, yeah. Non- stands or buts. Non-negotiables. Yep, definitely. We'll move to the other teams. So Sydney won again. My God, they look almost unbeatable at the moment, don't they? And they've got guys like Cooks coming back. When Sydney Adam Cooks, they should be unbeatable. But I, I, have, I have a feeling that they're going to lose to like a Cairns or a New Zealand or somebody at the bottom of the barrel to end their streak. Earlier on in the year when they didn't quite have Adams and RJ Hunter, you know, was here and there and then he was, then he was out. Jordan Hunter got injured. Like, oh, yeah, Jordan Hunter is out for the season. They didn't look good and they were up and down and... Then they lost to Brisbane in that game in which Xavier Cooks got ejected after something that shouldn't have been an ejection. And that was shocking in its own right. Ever since then, they haven't lost. And it's just an incredible feat to see what Sydney are doing. 
like I can't see them losing for the remainder of the season, but I feel like they're going to lose to somebody that does not deserve to beat them. Well, they do I don't know why. Away, they they do actually have a game against Cairns coming up, funnily enough. So yeah. Well, Cairns have looked better. I mean, Keanu Pinders, he might be a lock for most improved player, I think, now. He's, He's playing out of his skin. He is born. Yeah. Do you know, one of, the, one of the things I actually noticed as well in that 10-game win streak, they've, they've actually only trailed at quarter time a couple of times in there. They trailed by two against Adelaide and three against Brisbane. So they don't often sort of get run over the top of in the first quarter and if you look at the last two games they're up 21 against Perth at quarter time and they're up 16 against Tassie at quarter time those blitzes that they're putting on teams they're they're shutting down games as early as you possibly can And, and I mean I don't know about you guys but at quarter time in that Perth game I I felt so demoralized and so sad thinking this is I haven't seen a team pull Perth apart oh their shooting clips lately have been insane yeah. like they're they're on fire as a squad but how's this from the tassie game not one sydney player took more than eight shots well i think that was the game where they were shooting 75 percent at halftime yeah they were like yeah. that's that's outstanding but that's what's kind of scary about them is that they're sharing the ball really well nobody's really okay you're going to get games where an adams might go off for mid 30s and he's going to take a few shots but but in this one, I mean, you've got three of the best imports in the entire league and none of them took more than eight shots. Oh, it's the best import trio, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But, but they're all saying, like, the team is above me. Mm. I, don't, I don't need to be taking 20 shots if the team is playing well. You know, you're getting guys like Angus Glover and Dejan Vasiljevic and that, are, that are giving those really good, consistent performances. And then, of course, New South Wales is getting the buzz for the uh, freeway grand final series because the Hawks won two, including at Melbourne. That was a performance, wasn't it, Jackson? Oh, yeah. Cleveland just dominated in in the entire game. And and I don't mean this, but it's kind of like they're playing better without Tyler Harvey. No, they and are, though. They <laughs> are. Dude, I've got this question here. Are the Hawks better without Tyler Harvey? I mean, it's a very small sample size, but... After the way Rathan Mays has been playing, you can kind of say yes. And it's very scary to say because they signed him on a three-year deal and they chucked all this money at him to keep him. And are they regretting that? I mean, who knows? But are they better with Rathan Mays starting over Harvey? You can kind of say yeah at this rate. Three-year deals are like an eternity for imports in the NBL, aren't they? That's just about as long as it gets for an import contract. Absolutely. The, the thing with Rattan Mays that I'm really impressed with is if you look at the, the last few games, he had eight assists in the game against Melbourne. He had, what, five assists in the, the other game against Brisbane over the weekend. And I think he had seven in the game against Melbourne United last weekend. So obviously he's known as a scorer, but he is really doing a great job of delivering the ball to guys in the right spot. And, and I'm, I'm just so impressed with just how much more in control their offense looks with him there than Harvey. And, and I just, yeah, I've, I've always said this, Harvey's shot selection hasn't been amazing this season. It's probably highlighted a little bit more because he's got a little bit more in terms of guys that can play offensively. They were a very defensive side last year, but now with Duop Reef and Rattan Mays and Antonius Cleveland, they have so many guys who really need the ball and I don't think he's distributed well enough, whereas Rathan Mays has kind of balanced the two really well. I guess we'll just finish the NBL this way. And obviously there were some other games. Brisbane beat Adelaide in a thriller, but we are running out of time. How worried should Southeast Melbourne fans be? Because they lost again. Like they are hitting a bad stretch at a bad time, aren't they, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, 
I think they might be starting to worry about next year because Ooh. I, I can't I can't see Mitch Creek staying if they don't make finals. He's out of contract and, and I'm sure Southeast Mill will chuck a whole lot of money at him because he's playing an MVP caliber season, even though people aren't recognizing it. Like he won't win it, but he's in that, you know, four or five guys. And like Brisbane have been rumored, Adelaide have been rumored, Europe, I'm sure, will have a crack at him. And yeah, it's just a very interesting situation there because if he goes, who are they going to get in as their high level local? Because that's something that is highly valuable in this league. And they should win most of their final, however many games they have, but I can't see them making finals. Should have handled cans over the weekend yeah, as well. Because looking good. This, oh, yeah. this is the thing. I, I just don't like the makeup of this team. And they looked really good early, but I mean, Ruben Tarangi's had a pretty average season. He's pretty much done. I was amazed to hear how young he was. Like, I wouldn't have re signed him. No, I wouldn't. He, have he offers nothing at the moment. Um, a Glidden similar, like. Well, you, you would have thought with Brokov going down that Glidden would have stepped up, but he he's really just doing exactly what he did before that. Well, they both should have stepped up. Yeah. Chi. I mean, he started the season pretty well, but he's faded big time. Isaiah Liafa, they run too much stuff through him. You called it early with Kyle Adnam, Nath. You said that we've, kind of, we've seen his yeah. ceiling. We know he can't defend to save his life. So, yeah. Or inbound a ball when or, there's a game winning shot on the line. <laughs> God, <don't laughs> or pass the ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, in general, yeah. Entirely. I don't know, why, would, why would you give Adnam the, the ball to pass? Like, give it to literally anyone oh, else. Yeah. I did have one last question I kind of wanted to round out the, the NBL with, and it's something that I kind of noticed over the weekend. I really like Cam Luke on overtime. I don't really enjoy him as a commentator anymore. What are your guys' thoughts on him? I don't mind him. I like him. I, I don't mind him, but it's a damn shame that John Casey isn't calling 50% of the games because if you're good enough to call the Olympics, but then Dwayne Russell is calling over half the games before the AFL season starts, it's... It's not good. And John Casey is a world cast basketball commentator. And I mean, this is not a knock on Cam Luke or anything, but I just think Casey needs to have a whole lot more commentary gigs rather than being on the sidelines. And Amen, it's, brother. Yeah, no, it's a fair yeah. point. Yeah. This is only because that they're doing this stupid studio over here in Melbourne and they're not doing commentators at games, which I kind of get in COVID times, but now we're out of COVID. And the thing is they started it before COVID, it's shocking then and it's shocking now. And I'd much rather to see them actually at games and taking it full in rather than watching off a monitor in some studio in South Bank. In isolation, I don't mind Luke at all, but you're right. When you kind of bring in that wider context, the cases, cases gold standard. Yeah, yep. he's world-class. Thanks for listening to this Sport Bloke segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sport Blokes. 